All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Heart of Flesh podcast. Um, Jackson and Joshua here. Yo. We're excited to have you guys back. Um, so, admittedly, we are going to be very busy over this these next couple months. Um, we just started back up with seminary school this week. Um, both of us are, are working and, and uh, involved at the church and doing a lot of things. So, we are going to be busy. We're going to do our best to keep content coming out. Um, it may not be every week. It may look at some point more like an episode every two weeks, but mm. we're going to do our best to do that. Um, so today in this episode, what we want to do is we want to continue. Um, you know, we've kind of looked at the characteristics of the Bible, all that, sto- all that stuff. And now we're looking at, you know, practically reading the Bible, studying the Bible and understanding what the Bible is, is about right mm-hmm. so in in today's episode um we're gonna do that we're gonna expand a little bit about a little bit about on that we're gonna talk about the biblical storyline um and, and i think when we look at the bible especially you know as as americans and just in the, in the culture and society that we live in we often make an interpretive mistake mm-hmm. uh it, it's kind of a probably the most common and the biggest interpretive mistake that we make, okay? Um, the first thing we have to realize when we're reading the Bible is that the Bible is not about us. Mm-hmm. It's not a book about us. The Bible is written for us, mm-hmm. but it is not about us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, there's there's a famous Matt Chandler clip of this, but like this common way to read the Bible, especially like reading the Old Testament, is to go through the pages of the Bible, read the stories of the Bible, stuff like that. And to kind of insert yourself into a place in the story or say, like, where do I fit into this? Yep. You know, wh- where, you know, a- am I, am I King David? Am I the hero mm-hmm. in the story? Am I Samson um, or, or, or whatever? You know, we, our temptation is, is to like, is, is to put ourselves as the biblical characters mm-hmm. and to miss actually, you know, the whole point. The Bible is not about us. <clears throat> the Bible is, is specifically, it's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's about, it's, about, it's about God and his work and his bringing and ushering in the kingdom of God and the consummation of that. Yeah. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. Um, but, but the Bible is what, what we want you to see, first of all, and we're going to go through some scriptures that emphasize this, but the Bible is about Jesus, all of its pages are about Jesus. Mm-hmm. He is the absolute center of it. Right? And it's it's and you know and, and as we've talked about on this podcast before in the past too, it's not just the Bible that's about Jesus, mm-hmm. but Jesus is the center of the universe. You can't you can't make sense of of the Bible if you don't see see Jesus in it and how Jesus is proclaimed in it. You can't make sense of the universe if you don't have Jesus either. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that um in past episodes We'd encourage you guys, if you haven't listened, to go back and listen yeah. to some of those. We kind of... Especially the one on atheism that you did. Yep. We kind of set the foundation for what God's word is, um, the authority that it has, how it, it, it's an objective source of truth and mm-hmm. gives us the ability to make truth claims, those kinds of things, um, and how Jesus is not just the center of the Bible, but he's also the center of the world and the universe. Um so as we as we talk about that, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're gonna we're gonna try to show how Jesus 
um, is is proclaimed mm-hmm. in the scriptures and how the scriptures are about him. And you know, we we don't have a problem. Usually, our problem is not seeing this in the New Testament. Yep. But we oftentimes have difficulty seeing this in the Old Testament. Yep. But but so Josh and I started school this week, and we're we're going through the Old Testament this semester uh, deeply. Mm-hmm. Specifically, we're going through the first five books, the Torah, and um, and then the, and then the prophets. Mm-hmm. So we're taking a deep dive into those. But we have we have a professor. His name is Miles Van Pelt, and he's he's doing a class that's kind of an overview of the Old Testament. And he made this statement um, that I really enjoyed, and I'm going to take it from him. <coughs> but one of his he, you know, he kind of gave us some some th- some thesis statements about the Old Testament, and one of them was that the Old Testament is a Christian document mm-hmm. written for Christians, mm-hmm. right? The Old Testament is a Christian document written for Christians, and that's not how we often view the Old Testament. But as we look at the apostolic witness, um, as we look at some yeah. things that Jesus said about the Old Testament, we see pretty clearly that that's an accurate statement mm-hmm. that, that, that this old Testament, this, this book all written before Jesus is actually all about Jesus mm-hmm. and we can't make any sense of it. If Jesus isn't there, yep. the term that Van Pelt uses, he calls it, you know, Jesus is the, the theological center mm-hmm. of the whole Bible. Yep. Yep. So, uh, okay. Yeah. And we're kind of in the middle. So in our minds, we, we, we may not have explicitly said this, but we kind of pl- split, this um, teaching on the Bible up in two, p- two parts. The first was maybe a little bit more doctrinal, uh, where we're setting the foundation for the Bible as the words of God. And now we've moved into a section where we're wanting to teach people how to read the Bible. So that's, that's kind of our goal. And now we're going to go through, <coughs> we're going to go through essentially the whole story of the Bible in hopefully in a matter of like 45 minutes. Um, so if you have your Bibles... Please open them with us and flip through these things with us. See the see the passages for yourself. Don't just hear them in your ears, but see them with your eyes. Yeah. Um, and, and we hope the goal is that we're equipping you guys to uh, properly understand and read the Bible. And to do that, we have to see Christ in all of the scriptures. Yep. And so I think before we jump into the the storyline mm-hmm. um we kind of want to we, we we've made this statement and, and van pelt makes a statement that we're borrowing from him but we've made the statement that the old testament is a christian book written for christians and that's mm-hmm. hard to kind of grasp so we want to look at some texts that kind of show that from the new Testament. from the new testament okay yep. so one example is going to be in acts 28 if you guys do have a bible we encourage you to follow along mm-hmm. but acts 28 it's you know a, as you read acts in general everywhere that the apostle paul goes he is talking about jesus from the scriptures and for paul in that day at that time um he was primarily one of the writers of the new testament so the new testament's not written complete paul is teaching jesus from the old testament Mm -hmm. everywhere he goes he's teaching jesus from the old testament Mm -hmm. so you know at the end of acts we see paul imprisoned in rome um and luke luke the author of acts (coughs) kind of summarizes paul's teaching for us Mm -hmm. and he does that in acts 28 it's going to be verse 23 here um, I'm going to read it so Acts 28 23 <clears throat> this is how Luke summarizes the Apostle Paul's teaching it says from morning until evening he expounded to them testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus both from the law of Moses and from the prophets 
So yeah, the, the, if you go back a little earlier, Paul is is in Rome. He's in prison for two years, but he's he's sitting there and he has this teaching ministry while there. And Luke summarizes his teaching ministry in this way. He says that he would sit from morning till evening, and he would teach, testifying to the kingdom of God, and convincing people about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Okay, so so <clears throat> that's kind of where where we get the idea that Jesus is the center, right? Jesus is the center of the story. The Old Testament, the New Testament, it's about Jesus. The, the Bible preaches Jesus mm-hmm. to us. And then the, the theme that goes around that is the kingdom of God and the coming of, king, of the kingdom of God, which is mm-hmm. God's rule and reign in the universe. Um, and, and Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. So as we, as we look at this, we're going to see Jesus in, in the Old Testament storyline. Um, and we're going to see this idea of the kingdom of God from the Old Testament. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, you know, the first thing Jesus teaches, like in Matthew, it says, and he began to preach, mm-hmm. saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is bringing the kingdom. And Jesus, uh, the, the point that we look toward in history is that he's going to consummate the kingdom, that he's going to come back um, and <coughs> consummate all things, judge the living and the dead, new creation, new heavens, New Earth, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to look at that. You know, there's there's one more example. You know, there's there's the example in Luke 24 after Jesus is resurrected, and he's walking with a couple of disciples, and they don't recognize him. And <coughs> you know, they these disciples. This is after Jesus was crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right at the end of Luke 24, but they they <coughs> are talking to him, and they they express their disappointment that Jesus wasn't who they thought he was going to yep. be. And Jesus basically chastises them, and he says, <coughs> he says that they're they were foolish and slow of heart to believe what the prophets and the law said. Mm-hmm. So they didn't understand who Jesus was from the Old Testament, what the law and the prophets say about Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, okay, well, y- you guys are foolish and slow of heart to believe what what the Old Testament is teaching about me Mm -hmm. and at the end of luke 24 it says that jesus opens their minds and he teaches them to understand the old testament and everything that it says about jesus basically Mm -hmm. so you know there's there's some other texts in there there's there's john 5 um where jesus rebukes the pharisees he says that the scriptures that they look in they testify about him you know acts 10 43 is kind of the same idea that when paul went around teaching and this is everywhere in acts when paul went around teaching he was teaching Jesus from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You know, that's primarily what he did. The Old Testament <coughs> is a Christian book written for Christian people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's even a few examples like, you know, in, in Romans 15 um, and, and 1 Corinthians 10 as well here. But, but Paul, in both places, he says that the things that happened formerly, he's talking about the Old Testament. He gives examples from stories of the old testament he says that these things happened for our instruction Mm -hmm. so the old testament is um this this book that is for christian people today it's for christian people to learn from to be instructed by to see jesus in Mm -hmm. to see jesus taught in there and everything that everything that we need to know about jesus we can know from the old testament and is clearly explained in the new testament Mm -hmm. the whole bible is about Jesus. So as we look at this, <coughs> that's a bit of an introduction. 
Um, but we're going to try to break this up into really two episodes. So the first episode, we want to talk about how we can see Jesus in the biblical storyline. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells a story, tells a story about redemption and God's redeeming humanity. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the center. He's the focal point of that story. And then, so we're going to kind of trace that through the Bible in this episode. The next episode, we're going to talk about biblical typology. And we'll explain that a bit later, but uh, but essentially Old Testament characters, Old Testament things, the things that happen in their lives point to Jesus in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So that those are kind of the, the two areas that we're going to look at. So first of all, we're going to look at storyline of the Bible, and we're going to see how Jesus is the center of that story. So to do that, we're going to go back to the beginning. If, if you have a Bible, please open it to, to the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be in Genesis. Joshua, do you have anything to add to that at all? Yeah, I think I would just say, <coughs> so we just started classes up again um, through our church. It's basically seminary. Um, and we're going through the Old Testament. And man, I, it, so we're three days into this uh, semester. And e- even, and basically the introduction this week was a lot of introducing to the classes we were going to be taking. But even just in the introduction, like, I feel like a light bulb has really just clicked um, to see Christ as as the center of the Old Testament. And the passages that you just, just went through, we, we looked at a lot of those this week, literally in the past three days. And what was really standing out to me is, you know, I've read the New Testament how many times now? Probably at least three, four times. But when we we're able to slow down and say, okay, <clears throat> in John 6 or 5, for example, when Jesus is talking to these the Pharisees, uh, he tells them that Moses wrote about himself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, let's, let's slow down for a second and look at what Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. He's saying that, okay, we're going to be looking at, uh, I mean, basically the whole Old Testament, but we're going to start in Genesis. Moses was the author of Genesis. So Jesus had these very words that we're going to be looking at here over the next 10 minutes in mind when he was saying, Moses wrote about me. So we're going to read these passages, and that is the backdrop that we have in mind, where Jesus explicitly said, these words that we're going to be reading, they are literally about Jesus Christ. So when we're applying them to say, hey, this was written in a cultural context. It was written during the time of Abraham mm-hmm. for a specific time and was speaking into a specific situation, yes. But Jesus himself said the ultimate uh, meaning or fulfillment of these words are found in himself. Yep. And that's what we have in mind. And, and that can be a hard, that was a hard thing for me to realize uh, and actually accept, especially growing up. Um, but, <laughs> I mean... Jesus literally said, like, hey, the story of Abraham and, like, all of these things, they're all about me. Uh, and we're just taking him at his word. Yep. I think one thing, too, as we jump into this, um, you know, we're going to try to do this in, you know, somewhat. Hopefully, we're not we're not sitting here doing this for two hours. Yeah. We want to try to keep it short. With that, though, we are barely even scratching the surface of mm-hmm. what the Old Testament has to say about Jesus. We are giving, like, we're going to try to give a super fast overview of it mm-hmm. okay I, I wish 
you know, we had more time to, to talk about some more ways and some more things and exactly how they're played out and, and otherwise. But that's not necessarily the goal of this right now. Yep. We just want to show macro, the biblical storyline. Yep. Macro view. And see Jesus there. So, you know, we, we start in Genesis, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. We see God's creation. He created all things. He speaks it into existence. Um, well, gosh, okay, this is, I'm already taking a sidetrack, but John 1 yes, opens, bring that opens up. the same way as Genesis 1. And and John, by, by saying in the beginning, just like Genesis opens mm-hmm. in the beginning, John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He created all things. All things were made through him. Mm-hmm. John begins that way and he's showing Jesus, Jesus' activity and, and presence in the Old Testament creation in Genesis. When yes. we read Genesis, John is saying, See Jesus here. Mm-hmm. Jesus is here. From the beginning of creation, God, Jesus, the tr- Trinity, or <gasps> the Trinity is there. Yeah, the Trinity <laughs> is working um, but right away. So that that is already off of the yep. notes that we off have. Off topic. Here. <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, we could do this for yeah, way too long. We could. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Genesis one and Genesis two, we see creation uh, of man. Man, mankind is the the pinnacle of God's creation, uh, in, in, in God's image, they're created male and female, et cetera, et cetera. Now mankind, you know, in Genesis three, we see that the serpent, um, embodied by Satan comes and tempts them into sin, tempts them into rebellion against God. And God brings judgment against, um, against the serpent and against the man and against the woman, all those things we live in. We live in a cursed and we live in a, in a fallen world because of this sin that's happened in this rebellion against God. Okay. But, but right after that, in Genesis 3.15, God, God is giving judgment to the serpent and God makes the first promise of redemption. God, God is, is preaching the gospel mm-hmm. right in Genesis 3.15. Yep. And in his judgment on the serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Mm-hmm. So in here, there's a promise of enmity or strife between s- Satan, the serpent, mm-hmm. and the the woman being Eve in this picture, and, and the offspring of the woman. But now, I- as it goes into the next verse, it has a specific offspring in mind, a singular offspring. It says, he shall bruise your head. Mm-hmm. And in that language, it, it means to crush and to kill. Mm-hmm. He-, he will overthrow and overtake you, crush and kill you. And you shall bruise his heel. So in that context, also, while, while the offspring is going to crush the head of the serpent and Satan, the serpent is going to strike his heel. Mm-hmm. So there, there's going to be some, some, some damage that is done to the offspring yeah, as well. Specifically, in this context, uh, the Israelites would have known reading this that a, a snake biting someone's heel would uh, ensure death of that person. Yep. Yeah. It would ensure so the it's death. literally... Like it literally is speaking about Christ. Yeah. By, by his death, he's going to crush the head of the serpent. Mm-hmm. And, and what is done here in the garden, you know, you know, God makes humanity with this amazing purpose and this amazing, you know, status as they're, they're kind of like earthly kings made in his image, mm-hmm. made to spread his glory to all the earth. And they, they decided to rebel against that, to do things their own way. And God promises this amazing redemption, um, and, and, a con- and he promises to accomplish it through an offspring of the woman. So there's going to be a, a human person, mm-hmm. a human person from the lineage of Eve, from this woman, that is going to crush the head of Satan and is going to undo what has been done here. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So now as we continue through Genesis, Genesis 4 and 11, really... Through 11. 4 through 11. Mm -hmm. Yep, 4 through 11. It it shows exactly how much (laughs) this sin basically wrecked things. So it it displays, you know, wickedness of mankind. Mankind had had turned wholly over to evil. They they are serving and, and... acting like the serpent in their rebellion against God and they're not acting in the way that God created humans to act or accomplishing the purposes that God created them to accomplish. Okay. But through that Genesis six, five, it says that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's right in the middle of four through 11. Genesis six, five says that. Yeah. There's two different, twice. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, so, so the wickedness of mankind gets greater on the earth. That's why God brings the flood. He wipes it out, saves Noah, his family, and animals, stuff like that. It's a story of, of mm-hmm. judgment and God saving Noah through judgment. Now, what it also does is it tracks the lineage from, from mm-hmm. Eve through, through Seth, the, the righteous offspring of Adam and Eve. Um, you know, in Genesis 3, it says there's going to be enmity between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the serpent. And we see that in Genesis 4 mm-hmm. when okay. Cain kills mm-hmm. Abel. Um, there, there's strife between, uh, you know, God's people and people that are that are still in rebellion against God, serving mm-hmm. Satan, and and that continues today. That mm-hmm. that's a storyline that continues, yep. um, but it tracks this promise of the offspring from Eve through Seth all the way to Noah, mm-hmm. and you know, the Genesis. That's why there's that's why there's genealogies in the Old Testament. It's continuing to track this promise, the same promise given to to Adam and Eve to the serpent. It's continuing to track this, so it tracks it to Noah, and then as we get to Genesis twelve, it, tra- it tracks it and all the way. To Shem and then to Abram. Yep, it, it gets it gets all the way to a guy named Abram, mm-hmm. wi- which we you know we know his name is Abraham. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Abraham. It, it's changed, but in Genesis twelve, we see God expanding on the promise that He made in Genesis three mm-hmm. by making this promise to a guy named Abram, and He says this. Genesis twelve starts this way. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God makes this promise to Abraham, and like, catch that last part. Mm -hmm. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's an important promise. There's, there's going to be an offspring that comes from Abraham. So God is building on the original promise that Abraham is going to be turned into a great nation and that there's going to be an offspring from him that is going to bless all the families of the earth. Mm-hmm. All the families of the earth. So God is continuing to work out his plan of redemption. Now, as we move to Genesis 13, God expands again on that promise. Um, if we look at Genesis 13:16. <coughs> God says to Abraham, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. So the offspring that that, that God is going to give to Abraham, the promise that God is making to him is that it's going to be uncountable. It's going to be unfathomable. He's going to bless the world through Abraham and specifically really through the offspring of Abraham. Okay. So originally it was the offspring of the woman that's being tracked all the way to Abraham. And now it's continuing the offspring of Abraham. There's going to be a blessing to the world. 
And in Genesis 15, God expands on this um, a little bit again. He, he says he's going to, you know, at this point, Abraham didn't have any, any children. Mm-hmm. His wife was unable to bear a child. Um, but God continues to assure him that this is what's, what's going to happen. Um, and in Genesis 15, 5, you know, Abraham is complaining against God that he doesn't have an offspring yet. And, and he says, Abraham, go outside, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So there's this continued promise that Abraham, your offspring is going to be unfathomable mm-hmm. and uncountable. And now <coughs> I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as we look at the fulfillment of this promise, when we look at Revelation 6, mm-hmm. or actually 7, when there is when Jesus has come, he's fulfilled all the promises of God. Remember, this is about Jesus. Jesus is, if you've gathered, Jesus is this offspring. Mm-hmm. After when Jesus fulfills this, and, and John in the book of Revelation, he gets a vision of, of heaven. Um, and this is the end of time. You know, all, all the promises and purposes of God have been accomplished. And John sees a picture in heaven, and he, and he sees... What he describes as an uncountable multitude that is made up of all people, made up of people from all tribes, all families, all nations, and all languages on the earth. So this promise to Abraham that his offspring would be unfathomable, uncountable, and that it would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We see that promise fulfilled in in Jesus Mm -hmm. in Revelation 7. The same promise. God is faithful to keep his promise. He said he's going to do it, and he accomplishes it in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we continue through this story, it's going to continue to to build on that same same promise. So as, as we look at Abraham, we continue. Um, the rest of the Old Te- Testament continues to track Abraham and his offspring, and the nation of Israel comes from Abraham. Abraham has a son named Isaac. The same promises are affirmed for Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. The same promises are affirmed for Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Mm-hmm. And from those 12 sons comes the 12 tribes of Israel. So the nation of Israel comes from, from these 12 sons that form the 12 tribes, right? Yeah, and I think the, the interesting thing through this all too is we're really uh, pinpointing the promise of God Um coming through his people and he's assuring them of that and in fact he assures them of it even though they fail miserably Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over and over again (laughs) and yet god in his rich mercy is faithful to his word even at the failure and and uh, the adultery of his people worshiping other gods not believing him denying him saying god i don't believe i mean immediately after chapter 15 of genesis Literally right after God told Abram, you're going to be a nation of many people. What do him and his wife do? They take matters into their own hands. Mm -hmm. And the Bible is clear that (coughs) God's faith, God's people, even when they aren't faithful, he is to his promise. Yep. The the story, you know, especially as we see it in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. um, it displays remarkably a, a contrast between the faithfulness and the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God accomplishing his purposes against mm-hmm. the faithlessness and the rebellion and the idolatry of, of God's people. Mm-hmm. And now God uses sinful people 
for his purposes. And it's the same it's the same in, in, in the church today. God God uses sinful, broken people, um, calls them out of their sin into relationship with him and then uses them for his purposes. Mm-hmm. And despite their failures, that's what God uses. Mm-hmm. Um, praise God. Yeah, and praise God for that. And all throughout the Bible there is this there is, what is clear is there's both this okay, there's a call you need to live righteous lives. You need mm-hmm. to be free from sin. Um, you need to follow my commandments and to love me in doing so. And that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. But there's also, tied with that, remarkable promises of grace and mercy mm-hmm. and the steadfast love of God. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, on the one hand, God is holy, wants us to be holy, wants mm-hmm. us to flee from our sin, calling us to himself. And on the other hand, the promises of, of mercy and grace are are unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's displayed all throughout the Bible. Especially through Genesis, which kind of brings us to yeah. to Moses now. Um, well, I want to look at, first let's look at Genesis 49.10. So remember, yeah, we have Jacob, these 12 sons form the 12 tribes of Israel. And when, when Jacob, who's their father, is dying, he gives um, basically... A, a blessing and a prophetic blessing about each son mm-hmm. and one of the sons judah and now jesus will eventually come from the line of judah mm-hmm. okay so that's why this is important it's fulfilled in him so the the the, pr- the original promise is being expanded here so in jacob's blessing to judah it says this this is genesis 49 verse 10 it says the scepter shall not depart from judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet scepter being synonymous with like a, a kingly rule and reign so it's saying from judah there's going to be a king kingship mm-hmm. and then it continues the ruler staff shall not depart from his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples so what, what what's happening here is that, that god is building on that promise and in judah there is going to be a king mm-hmm. there's going to be a ruler and he's going to rule, and tribute's going to come to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, the obedience of, of the nations of the earth. This promise to Abraham originally, it includes, while it's coming through Abraham and his family, it includes a blessing to all the families mm-hmm. of the earth, all the families of the earth. And in Judah, this is one of the first places we get the idea that there's going to be a king from his line, mm-hmm. and he's going to be the king over the earth. The obedience of the peoples, it belongs to him. And we see that, you know, we're going to continue here, but we're going to continue to see that same mm-hmm. idea. So as we move through Genesis, we look at Exodus. We're introduced to, to this person, Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Moses is perhaps the character in the Old Testament that most reflects Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now for the sake of time, we're going to save that for our next episode. Um, and, and we'll talk a lot about Moses there. But but Moses and the life of Moses, essentially all of it points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the parallels of his life are, um, compared to Jesus, are really remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do want to look at, as we look towards the end of the life of Moses, he's kind of bringing the people into the promised land. He's giving them the law, uh, stuff like that. And what he says we're going to look at Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. And we've talked about this a bit before. But there's a promise that, that, that Moses gives to the people. He says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. This is God speaking through Moses. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. 
and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Mm-hmm. So Moses lives this life. He's, he's Israel's great leader, all of these things. And he says, someone greater than me is coming. Mm-hmm. There will be someone greater than me that's going to come, like me. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the parallels between Jesus and Moses. Moses says he will be like me. He will be greater than me. To him, you shall listen. Mm-hmm. You shall listen to him. Now, in Acts 2, Peter quotes this, and, and, you know, obviously, he says, Jesus is this prophet that Moses Mm -hmm. is talking about, and it is to him that you shall listen. Um, Yeah, Jesus is the better, the greater Moses. Yeah, and what do we see throughout all the Old Testament with all the prophets? We see that they say, thus say the Lord, says the Lord. And then what do we see when Christ comes on the scene? Truly, truly, I am say to you yeah and so the words of god are in his mouth coming to proclaim the message of god because he is god yeah yeah the former prophets when they wanted to speak with authority they would say they would introduce their statement by saying thus says the lord Mm -hmm. they they had a word from god commanded to speak it to the people Mm -hmm. and jesus comes on the scene and he's and he doesn't use that he says truly truly i say to you yep and there's an insinuation there Mm -hmm. that that Jesus is Yahweh. He is the Lord God of the Old Testament, speaking with the authority of God, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, that's kind of through the first five books of the Bible. Um, As we look through, you know, then it moves on to kind of Joshua and Judges and history, and those things are more typological, meaning they point to Jesus. Um, in, In the narrative, the characters point to Jesus, stuff like that. If we have time in our next episode, hopefully we yeah. can touch on that a bit. But yeah, we're going to yeah, move to um, this person of of David, okay? So now at this point, we have these promises through Abraham um, that from him is going to come an offspring, a blessing to many nations. There's going to be uh, an overthrow of, of the serpent. Uh, the offspring of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. We still have... All of this lineage tracking up through through Judah, the promise to Judah that there's going to be a ruler that comes from him. And eventually, you know, from, from Judah's line comes a person named David. And David, or, or God calls David, calls him to be king by the prophet Samuel. He anoints him to be king of Israel. And now the life of David points to Jesus in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. Many ways. Um but specifically, we're going to look at a promise to David in 2 Samuel 7. So there's this promise to David. God makes a covenant with David. Um, and he says to him, this is 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. There we go. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers when you die, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay? So, originally we see in Judah this promise that there's, from Judah there's going to come a king, and mm-hmm. the obedience of the peoples belongs to him. Now we get to David. He's from the line of Judah. He's established as a king, and the promise builds that from David there is going to be an offspring of his, another king, mm-hmm. and his kingdom is going to be established forever. Okay, so there's never going to be, um, 
some the offspring from the line of David when he's not on the throne. The the Davidic king kingdom is going to last forever. This promise to David, his offspring, is going to rule and reign mm-hmm. forever. And when we read the Gospels and and you know, you know the Gospels open with genealogies like Matthew, it opens with a genealogy. It shows it shows how Jesus came from Abraham, through Judah, through David. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they call him the son of David. Mm-hmm. So in the Old Testament also. God's people are starting to build this expectation of Messiah, an anointed one that's going to come from the line of David that these promises are going to be fulfilled in, right? All of those things. That's where that's where this is coming from. There's these promises um, that God is going to accomplish this salvation, that he's going to do these things, that he's going to establish his kingdom through his Messiah. And this is all pointing forward to Jesus who fulfills all of these promises. Okay? So... Um, as, as we look at also seeing Jesus in the old Testament, mm-hmm. um, another way that we, we see Jesus is, is of course in the life of David, also in many of the Davidic Psalms. So if you read the Psalms at the top of them, a lot of times the, the Psalms will say a Psalm of David or of David or, or, or et cetera. David, excuse me, David wrote many, many, many of the Psalms and many of the Psalms actually point to Jesus and the promises of God that, that are going to be fulfilled in Jesus. Um, and one of those, where we'll start, first of all, is Psalm 2. And in Psalm 2, it's talking about the, the anointed one of God, the, the, the king of Israel. Um, and it's David writing it, and it's looking forward to the promised Messiah to come. Right? It's looking forward to the promised Messiah to come. Um in verse 7, it says, The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is kind of prophetically looking forward. That is mm-hmm. very similar to the language that happens at Jesus' baptism. Mm-hmm. Very similar to it. And verse 8 says this. It says, Speaking of the, the future Davidic king, it says, Ask of me. This is God speaking. Ask of me. And I will make the nations your heritage. And the ends of earth, ends of the earth, your possession." So if we look, you know, we think again about the promises as they've come so far. Abraham, you'll be a blessing to all the earth. Judah, you'll reign. You'll, you, you'll, the scepter will not depart from your hand. The, the obedience of the peoples belongs to you. Here in Psalm 2, again, talking about the, the anointed one of God, the Messiah. He will ask of me and I will make the nations his inheritance. And the ends of the earth his possession. They belong to him. He's the rightful heir of it and then that points to jesus <coughs> that's one example you know the, the psalms are kind of filled with these we start to get some mm-hmm. some information actually about how jesus his life and how these things are going to happen you know if we look at psalm 22 um w- we get some insight into this jesus famously as he sits on the cross he says the words you probably heard them he says my god my god why have you forsaken me and what we often don't realize is that that is the opening line to Psalm 22. Mm-hmm. So really Jesus is saying, go back and look at Psalm 22, what it's teaching, um, and understand that it's talking about me. Mm-hmm. So if you have some free time this week, please go and read Psalm 22 and think about Jesus mm-hmm. and think about the crucifixion of Jesus and read Psalm 22 and, and see Jesus in there. And it's not hard to, um, you know, first 16, for example, it, it or actually, you know, verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. All, all of Jesus' joints were, were dislocated. 
um, as he was on the cross. Uh, Verse 16 says, They have pierced my hands and my feet. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Written a thousand years before, they they have pierced my hands and my feet. It clearly is looking forward to the person of Jesus. This is, I can count on my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And in this, you know, you you see, like, when when the gospel accounts mm-hmm. talk about the death of Jesus, there are so many parallels from this psalm mm-hmm. that happened in the death of Jesus. And now at the end of the psalm, it talks about how um, Jesus, th- this person, is going to be triumphant and victorious. Um, verse 30, it says, Posterity shall serve him. What comes after him shall shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So this thing is going to happen and it's going to be proclaimed and and posterity shall serve him. Mm -hmm. He's king and the ends of the earth are, are his possession. So, so that starts to give us some insight into, into how Jesus would, would take on his kingdom. He would be a suffering Messiah. Um, you know, Psalm 16, uh, again, talking about the, the Davidic king, it, it says, You will not let your Holy One see corruption. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol. And, you know, the, the, the apostles in Acts pretty clearly make that, say that this is a reference to the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ is being taught here. And, you know, there are other places, you know, Jonah, for example, Jesus says, you know, I will give you the sign of Jonah who spent three days in the whale and then mm-hmm. came out like that, that teaches and foreshadows the resurrection of Christ. Yep. Many, many ways that, that the Bible does this. Um, but, th- but these are a few we start to learn about his suffering, his resurrection, um, all of those things. <coughs> and I think... Uh, one more psalm we want to look at, Psalm 110. This is the most quoted passage by the apostles in the New Testament. Um, no Old Testament passage is quoted more than this. Um, psalm 110, it's a psalm of David. It says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule, in the midst of your enemies. And then and then it goes on and, and says some other things. But importantly, when you read Psalm 110, that is about Jesus. It's about the reign of Jesus. You know, one of my favorite parts of the Gospels is when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he says, how can you say that the Christ is the son of David when in Psalm 110, David calls him Lord, mm-hmm. calls him my Lord. It's about Jesus. David is seeing Jesus, he's seeing um, God the Father and God the Son, and, and he's seeing the seating of Christ after his death at the right hand of God to rule and reign until all the enemies of God are a footstool for the feet of Jesus. And that in history is where we are at now. Mm-hmm. Jesus is ruling and reigning from the right hand of God on the throne in heaven. He has all authority in heaven and on earth reigning and all the enemies of God are being made to be a footstool for his feet. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the king of the universe. The nations belong to him. That is in Psalm 110. 
and that is has some wonderful amazing implications for us mm-hmm. jesus is the ruler he's the king and he's ruling and reigning currently so <coughs> that's a bit from from psalms from the life of david we kind of see these these promises continuing um as we continue and and literally i'm just flipping through the bible um basically as mm-hmm. i go but an, another place where we're going to see jesus very evidently as we see him a lot in the prophets um i'm we're, we're going to talk about just a few passages from isaiah and i, I want to remind you know we're going through a lot of verses here but i want to to give a reminder that this isn't even close to all that the old testament has to say about jesus all the promises that god makes in the old testament um and it's not even scratching the surface of how the lives of old testament characters point to jesus but we're going to look at Isaiah. We're going to see Jesus there. Um, so perhaps one of my favorite passages, this is in in chapter 9 of Isaiah, verse 6, and all of these things written 750 to 1,000 years before Christ lived. Uh, verse 6 of chapter 9, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this please please know what this is saying in isaiah 9 it's saying there will be a child born a son who is given to us, the people of Israel, and the government, the, the rule and the reign shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. That's important. Mighty God. A child is going to be born whose name is going to be Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. So again, this promise that there's going to be a king who's going to bring the kingdom of God mm. is coming, and here it is in Isaiah 9. He's going to take the throne of David. He's going to establish it and rule it with justice and righteousness forever. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. So when, when Paul in Acts is talking about, and it says that he's teaching and preaching Jesus and the kingdom of God, that is the theme and the center of the whole Bible. Jesus and the kingdom of God. And here we see it again. It's about Jesus and he's going to bring the kingdom of God. When Jesus opens in the Gospels, and I talked about this before, but he is literally saying, the first thing he teaches, go look it up. You can find it in Matthew and Mark specifically. The first thing he says is, repent of your sin because the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is bringing the kingdom. He's going to establish it. He's going to rule and reign forever. The obedience of the peoples belongs to him. Mm-hmm. And in him will all of the families of the earth be blessed. That is the kingship of, of Jesus, established with justice and with righteousness. And the peace of God, there will be no end. So Jesus, now when we look at the New Testament and how that's fulfilled, um, Jesus has come. And he's brought the kingdom, and now he's, he taught that the kingdom is like 
a mustard seed that starts small and it's going to grow into an, an unimaginable big thing. He says that it's like leaven in bread. You put a little leaven in a lump of bread or a lump of dough and it, and it eventually it, it, it fills the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So the kingdom has come in Jesus. It's already here, but it's not yet complete. It, it's, it's the already, but the not yet. Jesus is reigning from heaven now on earth mm-hmm. now and yet we're waiting for the consummation and the fulfillment completely of his kingdom. But it, even just even just looking at, you know, this promise in the Old Testament that this is going to happen, that it's going to spread to all the earth. And we look at, you know, we live 2,000 years later and across an ocean mm-hmm. from where Jesus was and he lived. And he died by being crucified on a cross in a humiliating way. And he left 12 disciples after him. And they were confused and they were Galilean fishermen. And they went out and they preached the kingdom of God and the person of Jesus. And that's it. They went out and they preached that. And it spread and is still spreading to the whole world. To the point where we as Americans, we assume Jesus. Mm -hmm. We assume this idea. It's an assumption. We don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Because because of a crucified Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago and 12 confused disciples that he left behind. And they went and preached this message about Jesus as the king of God's kingdom, not just the king of the Jews, the king of the world and the king of the universe who accomplished and and stepped into his kingly reign by being crucified to pay for sin. Mm -hmm. And now we see the world since that time being remarkably Christianized. And we look at a passage like this and we know with certainty and hope resting on the promises, the character of God, knowing he's faithful to his promise. Jesus will never be taken off that throne. He will reign and he will rule forever. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Mm -hmm. That is a remarkable promise. And and we are in living currently in the middle of that promise being fulfilled. Yeah, I'm just thinking of how, I know it was either last Christmas or the year before. This Christmas. Was it this one? Yeah. That Jake preached, or maybe it was Mitch or someone. Someone at our church preached uh, a sermon. I think it's in Luke, uh, the birth of Jesus account, where is it Zachariah who quotes this? Someone quotes or alludes back to uh, when Christ was born, this chapter in Isaiah, they allude to or quote. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes, honestly, I think that may be a common... I remember hearing around Christmas time growing up a lot of this idea of like Isaiah 6. Um, what what verse is it exactly where it talks about him being the Prince of Peace? Oh. Um, or was it Isaiah? Isaiah na- 9, my bad. Um, the one you just talked about. Um, yep. Isaiah 9, seven. 6 and 7. Yeah. And, like, I I remember growing up thinking about that passage of, like, oh, that's really nice. Like, Jesus came, cool. But uh, you just kind of went and spit some fire there for a couple minutes uh, where it has a a lot more to do than just this really cute scene of the nativity set on Christmas Day, Jesus being born. Like, that day was the coming of the king. Mm -hmm. Um, And he came, defeated Satan. Now he's ruling and reigning. So next time it's Christmas and maybe there's a sermon that it talks about this passage in Isaiah 9. Uh, December 25th is a, a great day we celebrate of the birth of Jesus. But it wasn't just the birth of a baby Jesus. 
but the coming of the king and the son of God himself. Um, and that has great implications, a lot of them, which you just kind of went over. But I think sometimes we can make this, the Bible story look really cute and nice. And it is, it's awesome. Yeah. But there's some real uh, heavenly things happening, yeah. like even at the birth of Christ. Yeah, and I mean, here's another thing to consider. Uh, you know, if, if you're listening to this, I want, I want you to consider this. Jesus is the king of the universe. He's the king of the cosmos. So when Jesus speaks, when he mm. says something, when you read your Bible and Jesus says something, it is not a suggestion mm-hmm. and it's not Jesus coming to give advice. It is a divine divine command from mm-hmm. the king of the universe. It is an absolutely authoritative divine command. So when you read Jesus' words on a page, like a lot, yeah, we, we have this kind of fluffy idea sometimes, like this is cute. But that is a divine command. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus, you know, when, when he says like, <laughs> and, and this is a, an extreme example, but when Jesus says like better to cut off, it, he says if your right hand causes you to sin, it's better to cut it off mm-hmm. than, to, than to go two-handed into hell. That shows you like the seriousness of sin. Mm-hmm. Jesus was, was not giving suggestions or advice like he is, commanding and displaying the seriousness of sin and if jesus is the king of the cosmos and the king of the universe then please consider your life the way you live it are you on like are you at peace with this king Mm -hmm. are you falling underneath the rule and reign of this good king who establishes his kingdom with justice and with righteousness and brings peace are you under his reign or are you a rebel against the king Mm -hmm. are you rebelling against the king do you fight against Jesus' rule and reign in the earth and in your own life? Mm-hmm. Do you fight against that? Yep. Or are you a, a peaceful subject and of the king and a doer of the will mm-hmm. of the king? Are you a citizen of his kingdom that, that operates accordingly? Mm-hmm. Or are you a rebel against the king? Do you rebel against Jesus' kingdom? And, and you know, I, I want to look now at Isaiah 11. This is a couple, couple chapters later, and I'm going to, I think this highlights it as well. Um, it starts, it says, there, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse's the, the, the father of David, so from David. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. Verse 4. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And now listen to this. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Jesus is a righteous and a good king. Mm -hmm. And for the rebels against him, for the rebels against his kingdom, he will bring justice against them he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked jesus is concerned about righteous living and when he brings his kingdom when when we see uh, you know in in revelation when jesus brings his kingdom he dispels all wickedness all evil there will be no sin in his kingdom in his new creation his new heavens and his new earth he stands against sin um all right, so, you know, like I imagined, we're probably going through this a little bit slower than we thought. Um, you know, the, the next big verse in, Is- in or chapter in Isaiah 
is Isaiah 53. And in Isaiah 53, it's one of the most remarkable verses of the Bible, but literally, I mean, quite literally, it talks about Jesus, his, his life, um, his death, his resurrection, all of those things. If you get time, please go and read Isaiah 53. It talks about how Jesus is going to accomplish the work of his kingdom. You know, like verse 5, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. peace and with his wounds we are healed. God is going to, his, his king, his servant, is going to step into this role by taking on the sins of the people the real enemies of God are Satan and, and our own sin, and Jesus came to abolish those, uh, to do away with those, to offer forgiveness of sin because of his work on the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions. Mm-hmm. That's the, the good news of the kingdom of God. That's how our way to enter into the kingdom of God. We, we have all sinned against God. We need forgiveness of our sin. I mean, I mean, I just, I'll, like, think about, think about if I were to go, and stand before Jesus, King of the earth, who's going to judge all things. He's perfectly righteous. He's absolutely holy. He hates sin. And here's the worst part. He knows everything about me. Mm-hmm. He knows every thought that I've ever had. Everything about me will be made known before him. Mm-hmm. What is a good good God and a good king going to do? I need forgiveness of my sin. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can be forgiven of my sin is if Christ paid for it. Mm-hmm. And that's what Isaiah 53 is saying he came to do. I, I was listening to Paul Washer one day. He was made this, you know, this kind of this, this argument. He was preaching the gospel to some people. And he said, imagine that I made a DVD of every thought that you've ever had in your life. And I played it on a big screen in the town that you live in. He says, every one of you, you would run as far away from here as possible and you'd never come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I think about just like, you know, on, on people's phones, you know, you, you lock your phone, you put a passcode on it because you don't want people even to see what's on your phone. How much more when everything, every thought, every motive you've ever had is made known before God. Mm-hmm. Think about that and think about how you're going to you're going to stand in that day. And it's only by the work of Christ that he was crushed for our iniquity. So we're going to wrap up a bit of the Old Testament here. Um, just looking at at Daniel. Um, is another verse, and this this kind of highlights uh, the the kingdom of God once again. Um, I'm going to look at Daniel seven. One of the one of Jesus, you know, you read the Gospels, and Jesus commonly refers to himself as the Son of Man, the Son of Man. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, the the Son of Man. Jesus is always calling himself that, and that comes from Daniel seven. Daniel sees a vision. Um, and it says, this is Daniel 7, verse 13. It says, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was presented before him. And this is the important part. Um, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So Jesus, he calls himself the Son of Man, often pointing back to Daniel 7. And in this verse, it's talking about the kingdom of God is coming. It shall not be destroyed. It will include all peoples, nations, and languages, and they will serve him. So that is like a summary, essentially, of all the promises that have come beforehand and and that Jesus is going to accomplish in himself. Um, So, I mean, that's a bit of an overview of the, the Old Testament. 
as we look at the New Testament, like those things are, are clearly played out. We, we see all the implications of that. We see all the New Testament authors. They quote these verses. They talk about them. Um, and, and in Revelation, you know, in Revelation 7, like we talked about, we see the promises fulfilled, that Jesus is the king, um, that, that his people is an uncountable multitude, like the stars of the sky, like the dust of the earth. You cannot count it, just like the promise to Abraham. And it includes all peoples, all nations, all languages. John uses kind of the same language that Daniel does to describe the people of God. And, and it's, it's a people from all nations, all languages, all tongues, and all tribes. And then we look at the end of, of Revelation and we see the, the defeat of Satan, the new creation, and Christ ruling and reigning in heaven with his people forever, endlessly. And, and that, that is, honestly, that, that's a short overview of the story mm-hmm. of the Bible um, and how all of these promises are made, they're fulfilled in Jesus What's important in, in when we read the Old Testament, when we're looking at it, is it's tracking the promises of God and it's building expectation to the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a long period where, and we've talked about this before, but people are saved by faith in Jesus before he came and we're saved today by faith in Jesus after he's come. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is the center. Uh, the cross is, is, is the center of the story and it's how Jesus establishes his kingdom and he brings his people and he rules and reigns forever and ever establishing the throne of David with justice and with righteousness Mm -hmm. forevermore. Amen. Amen. It's a remarkable story. So, so when you, when you open your Bible, when you read a book in the old Testament, it fits into that story Mm -hmm. somewhere. You know, when you read Genesis, it's about this promise that's going through Abraham and through his family. And when, you know, when you read, read the prophets, it, it's the history of God's people from whom this promise is working through, things like that. Um, so, so I hope that this has been an encouragement to you guys, that this will help you to, to study your Bibles, to read them, to know what's going on in them. Um, we hope Christ has been exalted in your heart and yeah. in your mind and that you can feel the freedom to find Jesus in the scriptures everywhere yeah <laughs> yeah our, our hope from this and you know the, the bible is about jesus mm-hmm. and that that's good news for you mm-hmm. it's not about you you're not the hero of the story yeah um but there, there's a true hero and by faith in him you know you know paul says that we are co-heirs with christ mm-hmm. that we have an inheritance with christ that's a remarkable statement yeah. uh, it says that we have an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven that we're co-heirs with christ that we're adopted into the family of god that we're citizens of this kingdom of the kingdom of Jesus that, you know, brings peace forevermore. Mm -hmm. Um, So please, please consider, you know, whether you're a part of that kingdom or not, or Mm -hmm. consider your own rebellion against that king. Mm -hmm. And I'd call you to to turn away from it, Mm -hmm. um, to study the scriptures, to see Jesus there. And, you know, most of all, as we talk about these things too, one thing we want to really emphasize as well is to encourage you guys please be part of a good church. Mm-hmm. Um, go find a good church where they are preaching and they're teaching the Bible, mm-hmm. keeping you away from, you know, misconceptions and ideas. Like, you know, I remember thinking the Bible is, is about me. It's about my life. It's going to serve me in some way. You know, I want God to, to do things for me and to give me the things that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole thing, you know, I need to look for myself in this story. Yeah. And go to church, uh, not because, well, we should go there 
twofold. We should go there to get something out of it, to be edified and encouraged. But if you read about the church in the New Testament, the, one of the primary reasons to go is to serve others. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to church, you are disobeying the command of Christ himself to be a part of his church and to serve through it. Mm-hmm. So the church, and and I've been reading a lot about the church lately over the summer. The church is a filled with people saved by God, but that are still broken. Mm-hmm. And so there is going to be, relationships are hard. They're not perfect. You're in relationship with sinners saved by grace. Yes, but it may not be always comfortable. You may not agree with everything that people are doing or saying politically. Hopefully we should all be unified in the gospel in a church. But if you are not in a church, maybe because you don't want to be, again, the Bible's not about you and the church is not about you either. Mm-hmm. One of the primary reasons to go to church is to serve and be sanctified. And that's, I mean, just part of our own lives. Like mm-hmm. the church has been a major, major role. And like older men in our church that have yep. taught us things, that have shown us what it looks like to be a godly man, um, to live godly lives. It, it's our, our church is putting on a literally a seminary program for us to be taught mm-hmm. this theology. Like the church has been among the, the, the greatest blessings of my life and of Joshua's mm-hmm. life. Um, so we encourage you to please look for that. Mm-hmm. And, and please consider... You know, if if you're an older person, if you're someone listening to this who maybe is a more mature Christian, please consider how you can serve in the church, mm-hmm. how you can help younger, less mature Christians maybe. And if you're a younger one, I encourage you to go to your church, find somebody that loves Jesus mm-hmm. and ask them to, to mentor you and to teach you theology and, and how to study the Bible. Yep. So I think that's all we're going to do for today's episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. We are going to try to come back sometime soon like i said we're we're pretty busy a lot of things going on but um we love to do this we love to talk about jesus to to study the bible we hope that you know as we go through seminary that we're not just hoarding all this information Mm -hmm. for ourselves but that we can express it and 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 make it known and give it out Mm -hmm. so thank you guys for listening hopefully we'll see you sometime soon